With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. Today, Andrew Schlecht is back on the show. Nothing makes me happier than seeing Andrew Schlecht back on the Game Theory Podcast. An unbelievable guest for an unbelievable time in the world. Andrew, you are there live in person at the in-season tournament in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about that at the top of the show. And then we're going to dive into first quarter NBA awards, which is the real reason that I had you on the show to talk about those. Andrew, what's going on, buddy? Uh, a little bit of everything right now, Sam. <laughs> We're uh, watching lots of, lots of hoops. Get to watch Cooper Flag tonight. I get to uh, join the Cooper Troopas, as we discussed before we uh, started recording. Cannot wait for that. Um, man, it's a, it's a crazy busy time of year. Um, getting ready for Christmas with kids. You know, a little bit of everything, you know. Yeah, man, it, it's great. So, like, I've kind of let people know on the vacation or on the podcast side, like, I'm going on vacation next week to Bali. I've never done like we're not doing Christmas Day away. Like, we're coming back like two days before Christmas, but I've never done like the Christmas, you know, getaway thing. So, this yeah. is the closest I'll probably get. So, I'm excited about that. Uh, nice. You know, it's gonna be great. I, I got to be honest though, I was a little bummed out yesterday. Steelers lost. And then, oh. you know, yesterday I go and, you know, m- my wife, she's not asked for much, but she really just wanted like a Coca-Cola yesterday in the beautiful country of Australia, uh, decided to have all sorts of random flat Coca-Cola things. So like we went to a McDonald's and the, you know, sometimes the fountain machines all fucked up. Right. Yeah. And like oh, it just yeah. comes out watery. Yep. So the second time we went to the grocery store and I was like, okay, I'm going to get like the glass bottles. Those feel like the safest ones yeah. to have yeah. some sort of like good Coke experience. Flat as shit, right? Really? Uh, it's crazy. So then I go back to the, the grocery southern store. Hemisphere. Wow. Killing me, right? <laughs> uh, I go back to the grocery store. I pull like a can of, you know, you know, the boxes of like 10 cans, 12 cans, whatever those are right yeah yeah so i pull one of those off the shelf and before i pull it like or right after i pull it to where it's like tipping off the shelf a little bit right i realize that it's been open right Uh. so three of those fuckers come out and slide down and drop on the floor and go bam explode all over me and all over the floor (laughs) of the grocery store 
<laughs> I was one of those guys yesterday that literally uh, oh, exploded. No. Cans of Coke all wow. over the floor of a grocery store. Wow. So, uh, wow. Shout out. Shout out to the folks that had to clean that up here in Australia. <laughs> I was very sorry. Shout out to Coca-Cola. Man, what is going on there? Yeah. That's a and by the experience. way, the cans, the, the cans in the box were still a little bit flag. We got to up the Coke game here, uh, here <laughs> in Australia. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know. What's that would happening. never happen in the U.S. Thing. Never, ever would that happen in the U.S. I'll tell you that. Can you imagine? Can you possibly imagine? There would be riots in the streets. No. Yeah, there would. There would. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, so you're at the in-season tournament. Yesterday, you got to see two games in person. The first one, yep. the Indiana Pacers defeat the Milwaukee Bucks to move to the in-season tournament finals in a fun, close game, much like the uh, first game that the Indiana Pacers won against the Boston Celtics over in Indiana. Uh, or no, that was that in Boston. I can't. I can't remember. Who knows? Uh, who can possibly look these in things Indy. up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought it was in Indy. The second was a blowout. The Lakers blew the doors off the Pelicans in every way, Killed shape, them. and form. Uh, I'll give you the floor here. What was the biggest takeaway for you yesterday at the in-season tournament? I mean, it's really about the, like the Tyrese Halliburton coming out party that's been happening over the like past couple of weeks to the rest of the NBA world. Uh, we've been watching Tyrese for a while and know how good he is, but now the the entire uh, NBA fan base gets to see him play and know how awesome he is and know that he's like an engine unto himself for the Indiana Pacers. And he was incredible yesterday. Closed the game for Indy, knocked out the Bucks, and the Bucks very much wanted to win that game. So another takeaway for me is that the Bucks were upset and there were reports coming from Chris Haynes, which we really just know means coming from Damian Lillard, that there was an argument in the locker room um, with Bobby Portis yelling at Adrian Griffin. And does that like totally alarm me? Not really. There's been a lot of weird stuff going on with the Bucks, certainly. Like the Terry Stotts so thing is weird. Like that's the big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like there is that piece of it that like if this was a one off, it'd be fine, but you have the Terry Stotts thing. Yeah. You have them like true. him not realizing to play drop coverage and then the players going to him and being like, mm-hmm. Hey, you need to play drop coverage. Like yeah. we're getting our ass kicked on defense. What are we doing here? This is now like the third thing here where this is like a real question. And by the way, the, I think mm-hmm. the Bucks are like 15 and seven now. So like they're a great basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're a great basketball team that might not be getting the best coaching though. Yeah, it is. It is strange. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them more time to get it together. They did add a massive piece and they did take away a massive piece adding Dame, taking away Drew, and I think that they deserve time, and they are also winning during that time, too, so that's like the good part about it, but I just wonder how tenable of a situation it is for Giannis and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, who have been guys that have just done it in-house for so long, where they're like, yeah, we're not talking to anybody, you know? We're not, yeah. we're not, we're, we're dealing with this as a group with the coaching staff, with the front office. We're not airing things out 
with reporters as we walk out of the locker room, you know, which is what was happening yesterday. And so I wonder how that specific piece will be handled uh, amongst that group. But, you know, I, I also think it's a good thing like that they really wanted to win and that they weren't just like, ah, whatever, we're cool, and we'll go home. Like, they were pretty dejected after that game, and I believe they should have won. And yeah. if not for some miscommunication, what they called, like, organizational, not organizational as, like, the team, but organiz- like they're just not organized enough on offense. And, like, that's been, like, the biggest problem with them is, is like, a, that's stated from the players. They just yeah. don't, they don't have it together. Yeah, and, like, it felt like what I was reading into the, you know, quotes that Chris Haynes, you know, stated or whatever, mm-hmm. is that they wanted, like, more coaching in terms of, like, sets being run, it felt like, too, late yeah. in games. Like, you know, hey, when defenses are doing this to us, we need to counter and do something else. And like, it didn't feel like uh, necessarily we knew what that was like, or Mm -hmm. like, you know, the players, I don't know, maybe the players had ideas. It just wasn't necessarily shared in the article. It is Mm -hmm. interesting though, that we're at that point where the bucks, you know, it does keep coming up. We're now like at number three here in terms of the coaching flags that keep flashing and blaring. Uh, I want to talk about Tyrese Halliburton because we don't want to spend a crazy amount of time on the in-season tournament, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So Tyrese Halliburton in the two tournament games so far, he has scored 53 points, dished out 27 assists, grabbed 17 rebounds, has zero turnovers in these two games. What in the world? That's the craziest stat to me. He's shooting, I think, 56, 40, 100. <laughs> We're going to talk about awards here momentarily. Tyrese Halliburton has been a top five player in the league this year, and I just need mm-hmm. everybody to know that. Like, I've mentioned that on the show previously. I've mentioned it on Twitter. Like, I've talked about it. This is a dude right now. And yep. he is the kind of dude where... The Pacers now organizationally need to be shifting into like a competitive space, in my opinion. Uh, not to say that they aren't competitive now. I think their roster is quite fun, and I think they've done a really good job of hitting on like really smart marginal inefficiencies, right? Like everybody thought Aaron mm-hmm. Naismith was a throw in to the Malcolm Brogdon deal that brought them a late first round pick. No, Aaron Naismith is turned into like the guy in that deal. Yeah. Now he's closing games for them. Uh, you totally. remember when buddy healed requested a trade, uh, in the preseason. Yeah. Yep. That was a thing that I happened. Do. Yep. Now he's closing games for a team that's in the in-season tournament finals and has been really, really good and starting and now. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And starting and who knows where that goes. So mm-hmm. look, the Pacers supporting cast has been great. I yep. I don't want to shortchange Miles Turner. I don't want to shortchange any of these guys. You know, Obi Toppin has done a solid job playing as like a starting four man as well. They've done really mm-hmm. well. Halliburton's the driver though here. Like everything oh, yeah. is Tyrese Halliburton within this yep. offense. It is remarkable. What was it like watching that in person? Oh, I mean, he was just picking the bucks apart. I mean, he if he if he wasn't picking them apart with his passing, he was getting to the hoop 
I mean, he has these scoop layups that look really difficult, but he makes the thing about Tyrese is like he makes difficult things look really easy and he does them with such joy. They're just like it's it's impossible not to have fun watching him play basketball. His ability to drive and finish well at the hoop, I think, is one of like one of his more underrated skills because he's he's definitely, I mean, he's so good at that. And then clearly a great shooter and a guy that just gets everybody involved in a way in ways that are so helpful for them. Like he gets it to Buddy Heald right in the shooting pocket. He knows yeah. how to throw alley oops to Obi Toppin in a way where Obi's just going to go up and go get it. The fact that he is like specifically knows these guys, and you can tell like he's probably studied with them. Like, how do you like the ball thrown to you? Um, you know, where, when, in what situations do you like the ball? You know, if I'm throwing it to you in the corner, where do you want to catch it? And like, those are the things that like really smart point guards do. And yeah, I, I promise you, Tyrese Halberton's doing that <laughs> because, and that's a part of like not turning it over too. Is like he's such a smart processor of the game that he can do all of that in real time. And they've created the best offense in the league because of him. And they've all, and the starting lineup is so perfect for him. You have the floor spacing. You have extra playmaking with Bruce Brown. And they, ha- they have everything they need. I think Carlisle deserves a ton of credit. Yep. Um, one, to, like, to bench Ben Matherin after, was it like 11 or 12 games, I think? Where yeah. it was just like, yeah, yeah, this isn't working. Um, you look at the at the lineup data through twelve games, like, yeah, yeah, this isn't working. Um, and he, so he switched it, and he deserves a lot of credit for that because that's not easy, especially to a guy who was like a high lottery pick, who yep. probably thinks he deserves a certain amount of shots and a certain amount of possessions. Um, yeah. I think that's that's there's some of the value there with having a veteran coach. That's just like, yeah, I don't care. Like you're going to the bench. I don't care where you're drafted or what's going on. I think, you know, the, all of those things um, really stuck out to me yesterday as I was like getting to be around the Pacers a little bit and then just watch them in person for the first time this year. And I loved the fact that yesterday we got to see Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN report like Tyrese is starting to make his case to other players come play with me. Yeah, I'm going to get that. you paid. I'm going to make you better. It's, You're going to play a fun style of basketball. Like mm-hmm. that's a great pitch. Like truly that's a great pitch to be like mm-hmm. going to play with Tyrese Halliburton. They have all the cap space in the world this summer. They have real trade assets that they're going to be able to move if they want to at the deadline to be able to go get somebody. Mm-hmm. Truly. It, it's a pretty fantastic pitch, man. Like, you know that he is going to put you in the best position that once you sign this deal, he's going to set you up for the next contract. Yep. You know that you're going to win. Like we're proving that right now, right? It's got to mm-hmm. be a defense conscious guy, I think, but they can go get to, like, they, they can go pay guys. This is a, this, you know, the name is obviously uh, OG Ananobi. That's the name that has been connected there for a while. He's an expiring sure. contract, you know, after this year, I think it lines up really, really well. Uh, we'll see mm-hmm. if, Toronto moves him. Obviously, we'll see if he ends up hitting the free agency market. You never know, right? Uh, yep. Let's move to the other game now. There's been a lot of talk about Zion Williamson. I think that's like mm-hmm. the prevailing story. It feels like after that game. Yes. So, if you go to the Game Theory YouTube channel, 
please do that. Go subscribe. Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini. Go hit that subscribe button. It's a great product. You'll be able to see these tape breakdowns that I do. I did Zion a few weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. I did a game where he went for like, I forget what the totals were. I think it was like 22, 10 rebounds, 9 assists or something like that against the Nuggets, right? I picked like Mm -hmm. a good game, right? Like I wasn't you know, going in just being like, Hey, like, let's pick like his worst game of the year or anything. Like last night was one of his worst games of the year. Right. I picked like a pretty good game. Yeah. And even in that game, my biggest takeaway was this guy is not the same athletically. Like that is the biggest thing you watched Zion at Duke. It was this person should not exist as a human being. This person does not like have the same genetics that I do. Like as a human, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. What did you think seeing him in person? Because I I think that like Rosillo, obviously, and you know, people know that I love Rosillo. I go on his show. I'm a big fan. Um, Rosillo, it felt like got like shit on a little bit yesterday because he was like, look, like Zion, you know, seeing him in person, like it's just not the same. The tape is like what lines up to me as well. Yeah. There's just like hardly any explosion at all. And when you yeah. take the explosion out of it, now he's just like a big guy who's not necessarily fast. And yep. so it's like, okay, well, what is he? Because he's not a great rebounder, which I think limits him a lot. Because like, if he was, then it's just like, yeah, he's a four. And he's probably okay. But the lack of rebounding, the lack of like a, a legit jumper, it leaves you thinking, okay, what is he as an offensive player? Defensively, there's a lot to be desired there, especially when you play him and Jonas together. It's like, boy, they're just slow. Like, they just get, they're really, really slow. And they have some good point of attack defenders, but they also have CJ McCollum out there. Like, they're just overall just like a pretty slow team. And that, that stuck out to me quite a bit. And they're playing, I mean, they're playing against 39 year old LeBron, and LeBron looked like freakish compared to them. Um, dude which he is <laughs> by the way yeah, he well, is freakish 100 um, yeah, percent. but yeah unbelievable but yeah i am concerned like i'm concerned about the the zion situation and i'm willing to be patient but boy it just doesn't it just does not look good so far um and it's concerning he he still is finishing well zero to three feet 73 percent like he's still finishing but it's like, how, how often can we get there? You know, is the question. Like, can he get downhill over and over and over again? Which is yeah. what he was. I mean, last year, and I was, I remember watching it, the game against the 76ers where he got hurt, but it was like he was putting together a masterpiece. I was like, oh my yeah, God. It's unbelievable. He's, he's, he's so special when he's right. He really is, and it's just kind of sad that he's not able to get there as much. I mean, this is a career low in shots from zero to three feet for him, uh, percentage-wise, um, yeah, by a lot compared to his like first and second year, and then it went down even last year, and it's down even further this year. So it's not even so much like what's he shooting there because he's shooting a career high from zero to three feet, but. It's a vo- like volume is such a big deal 
you know, in the league yep. where there's like three point volume or if, or if your arsenal gets downhill, like how often are you getting to the rim? Uh, he's just not getting there quite as much. And so that, the, that's where the concern is for me is like, can he still get there enough to make it matter for the opposing teams? I thought Shaq had some interesting comments yesterday. I'm just going to pull those up now. David uh, yeah. Robinson and your good friend Akeem Olajuwon. And you couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Because okay. so, you know why? Because I realized I wasn't like, working as hard as I thought I was. Ah. I want to make some points about Zion. Okay. It's not run hard. It's not a diss. It's going to be a lesson from one great big man to another guy that could be a great big man. Just not run hard. I had the same problem my first second year. I thought I was running hard. Because Charles talked about this all the time. My time ain't going to get me 20. But when I start going to 20, 30, and 40, it's because I start doing certain things. He doesn't create easy points for himself. I saw a couple of times we had a couple guys at the basket. He don't seal, right? He doesn't demand the ball. Like, you got a small guy, and we talk about all the time, barbecue chicken alert. Charles talk about all the time, you can't let a little guy guard you. And he doesn't have that look. Like, I'm not the greatest athlete ever, but I know a look when I see it. In every sport, I know a look. Tiger Woods had that look. Jack Nicholson had that look. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, 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 he just doesn't have that look. And he... First and foremost, uh, the thing that caught me there was the fact that he was like, Jack Nicholson had that look. What, did Jack Jack watching from the Lakers uh, courtside? He had that look <laughs> as he was uh, out here as a fan watching the Lakers. Uh, he had that look and one flew over the cuckoo's next nest. Yeah. <laughs> he had that look he in the department. I mean, he certainly he did. He certainly did in that movie. Yep. He certainly <laughs> did. That's the Joker. I mean, um, come on. But really, though, like the substance of what Shaq is saying there, I think matches the tape. Like, truly, yeah. people will get on Shaq for that. Like, people like to get on Shaq and these older guys for being hard on some of these players. Guys, tr- it does truly match the tape. And. It's frustrating. Zion needs to really just get serious about it again. Like yeah. that, that, it feels like that is where this is going, right? Mm-hmm. And the Pelicans have real decisions to make. Like Brandon Ingram is a free agent after next season. They need to figure out like, what are we doing? What are we building toward? What do we have here in Zion and Brandon? What do we have here with some of these young guys like Herb Jones, like Dyson Daniels, like Jordan Hawkins, right? I, Trey Murphy is a stud and they're going to have to pay him nine figures here coming up mm-hmm. soon because he's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to figure that out. And that's a real, yeah. real factor. I think moving forward, uh, mm. I want to talk about the Lakers, but maybe we'll transition into the awards talk now because yeah. I, I want to talk a lot about the Lakers, particularly their two best players during the awards section. So maybe we'll do that. Let's take a quick commercial break. Then we'll be back and we'll start doing awards. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. 
some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. All right, Andrew, we're here. We're ready. We're going to dive in to first quarter NBA awards. I'm going to do this for the first quarter, halfway through the season, and three quarters of the way through the season. And then obviously we'll do an end of season awards thing as well. I think it'll be interesting to kind of watch the race evolve that way throughout the course of the year on this show. So we're going to do today MVP, all NBA, defensive player of the year, all defense, uh, rookie of the year, coach of the year, and most improved player. Those are the categories I sent you, right? Yep. I did top threes. Did you pick top threes for the awards or did you just do one? Uh, I have, I have several that, okay. that we can talk about. Great. Yeah, we can do top threes. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're going to start with MVP. MVP is five on the ballot typically, right? Yep. I'm just going to say who number one is to start here and go down for MVP because the rest of it, I think, will lead into all NBA because I think it's important to note with all NBA now that positions mm-hmm. are gone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. no longer you know two guards, two forwards, and a center. It's the five best guys. So theoretically, the five best the five guys you have in the top five for MVP should be your first team all NBA team, right? Or at least that's mm-hmm. the way that I did it. So mm-hmm. the way that this shook out for me was I had two guys pretty clearly at the top. I had two guys pretty clearly at three and four. And then I had probably four, I would say, that were in the next group that yep. were like battling for five. So mm-hmm. 
are the top two for you, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid? I actually have Nikola Jokic and Giannis. Okay, as my top two. Um, Embiid is like very close. Yep. Um, I think Giannis is having a pretty underrated season. Um, yep. Highest effective field goal percentage of his career this year. Like we said, like this, there's a lot of changes happening with the Bucks, and he's he's the reason why they're 15 and seven. <laughs> you know, like he's he's the reason yeah. why that they've been steady. And I'm curious to see how the defense evolves through the year because it's been bad, and I don't necessarily even blame him for it. Um, yeah. but he's still just so dominant with Middleton not being right every night and. All the changes, the coach, everything. I mean, there's just a lot there that I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna give it to him because, like, with with Embiid, he's like Tyrus Maxey's been unbelievable, and I think Nick yeah, Nurse has been so good for them. I think Nick Nurse has been exactly what they needed, and so like, there's there's a lot more there's a lot more help and a lot less working against Joel, and and I don't want mean to punish him for that. Like, they're like neck and neck for me, but I just yeah. kind of give the nod to Giannis just because he is overcoming quite a bit more, if that makes sense. And he's, he's providing to me a little bit more value there, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I ended up with Giannis at five. Uh, So I do have him as a first team all NBA player this year. The defense having dropped off very slightly, Mm -hmm. even from his high standard. And I think he's the one that's like holding up this defense in, any way that it possibly can be held up. Yeah. I do have him at five for now though, because I think the defense has been a little bit worse. If you look at some of the guards that I'm going to talk about at three and four, the fact that they are able to make plays as a passer and decision maker and real primary driver of offense in a substantial Mm -hmm. way for their teams uh, ended up pushing those guys over the top for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I had Giannis at five, and I have Giannis as a first-team All-NBA guy. I think Giannis has been unbelievable this season in leading the Bucks to you know this 15-7 and seven start in spite of many of the challenges that they have had. So I have Jokic at one. So you, you also have Jokic at one, I would imagine, right? Yeah, there's, there's no contest right now. Yeah, it, it's really, really hard to talk about Nikola Jokic on some level to me because... It's hard to not sound boring, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he's averaging 29 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists right now. Uh, he's shooting 54% from the field, uh, 78% from the line. Honestly, the, effici- the efficiency numbers have dropped like very, very slightly. And mm-hmm. uh, like because of that, I think there is a case that the guy I'm going to have like in that 3-4 range is slightly has been very, very slightly better than him offensively this season. I think that the fact that Jokic plays center as opposed to point guard gives such a different dynamic to the entire team in terms of the way that the Nuggets are able to operate and able to invert their offense and able to account for myriad things that defenses pose to them. Mm -hmm. I think Jokic is very clearly the best player in the league right now. I I truly, like, I, I think that it's not all that close. Yeah, and he makes it all look so easy, you know. Yeah, because it it kind of simply is easy for him. Um, yeah, he's just 
uh, similar to what we were talking about with Tyrese earlier, like he just processes the game faster than everybody else. That's like right. that's just like simply it. Like he just understands the game better than everybody else and plays it in a way. Um, he he is only thinking about winning. He's like only thinking about how like how he can win. This year he's having to score more than he did last year, and I think he kind of needs to. Um, that's right. And I think he's and I think he's learned that. You know, he's taken a lot more shots this year, which is like good. Finally, uh, yeah. p- part of me wishes he would care a little bit about getting that point two assists added to his total so they could average a triple double because I think he could very easily do that. <laughs> um, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care about does that, care. Sam. Like he just doesn't, which is just a, a like that point two percent is just like a testament to to him. And that he because I think most guys would look at that and be like, let's do this. Like I can over the next five yeah. games I can get that. Especially him. Like he could do it if he wanted to. If that's what he cared about, that's what he would do. Could but, do it in his sleep. Yeah. But he's, I mean, he's he's entering into like his prime prime, which is like which is what makes it a little bit scary for everybody else. And he's not dependent on athleticism, as we all know. But is going to be able to play this game for a long time as long as he wants, because he is just so smart and has ridiculous touch. And yeah. it 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 doesn't his his shot is like he's funny to watch. Like he's um. Some of the shot, the, the way his shot looks, it can just be so comical. Um, I just love watching him. I love watching this Nuggets team. Like they've they've done such a good job of putting this team together. But yeah, he's he's the best player in the league. I, and I'm with you. I don't think it's that close. And I think that we're like entering an era where that's going to be the case for a little while. So here's the reason that I think Embiid is like pretty clearly number two for me. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse has done a fantastic job of actualizing that two-man game between Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. But I think Mm -hmm. more than anything, what Embiid has gotten more comfortable with and has improved with, I think in part because of the space that Nurse allows them to play with, with his incredible scheme that they're operating with. like They run a ton of empties where he's getting the ball in the middle of the court with... uh, you know, a little pocket pass from Tyrese Maxey, and then he's able to survey and figure things out. He's been drastically, drastically, drastically better as a passer this season than I've ever yeah, seen him that's before. True. Um, that's true. You know, it's still nowhere near Jokic level. It's still nowhere near, you know, that kind of like elite level echelon. Mm-hmm. But this was coming from a level with Embiid, frankly, where I thought it was pretty below average a lot of the time. Like you look at his assist to turnover ratio, 2020-2021, it was like 2.8 to 3.1. Like it was negative. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. negative in 2019-20 as well. Uh, He is slowly but surely improved in that way as a passer and playmaker for his teammates and the ability to read the floor. This year it's taken a big jump to where – I think he's been a little bit worse defensively than what we've seen from him in the past. Personally, uh, not a ton worse, but just a little bit. Uh, I think the passing and playmaking more than covers for that. And on top of it, you still have a guy who's leading the league in scoring here. 33 points per game has been fantastic. Um, You know, Joel to me is, you know, the, the number two guy in the regular season, at least I think he needs to prove it a little bit in the playoffs, but 
in terms of regular season basketball, I think that Joel has proven himself to be the number two guy. Yeah, I think like some of it is he's recognizing double teams so much faster. And like that's yeah. not like some of this is Nick Nurse. Like that's not Nick Nurse. Like this that's also just like Joel getting better. Um, yep, I agree. And like those the way that he and Maxi work together is it's seamless. It's flawless. It's yep. um it's and it's winning basketball too, like between those two. And like there was a lot of speculation about it. well you know harden led the, led the league in assists last year and harden did this and like how are they going to do without him like boy like their chemistry is so much better than harden and Embiid's chemistry ever was and so yeah. like this is a this is a very good what me, happened to them is a very good thing yeah it's it's so much more direct everything is so yeah. much more direct instead of harden you know kind of pounding the ball into the ground for possession after possession from time to time right Mm-hmm. everything's based off of movement with maxi you know they're trying to yeah. get into things quicker they're trying to get into things in a very direct manner and i think that's really helped their offense free flow uh into itself much better mm-hmm. okay yeah the number three and the number four guys here uh is where we start to have a fun conversation i think mm-hmm. uh, i have tyrese halliburton at three right now i have shea gilgis alexander <laughs> at four right now <laughs> um i I I have Shea at three. I've yeah, watched and, every single set. I've watched every single second of him, and I yeah. and I don't I don't like disparage you at all for like your order. I, I'm um, with it for what it's worth. If you have Shea at three, like th- to me, like yeah. these, this is the tier. Is like three, four, either way. Yeah. Like I'm good with this, 100. percent Yeah, Shea has been so impressive, and to me, it's the defensive end has been the game changer for him this year. Um. He he has like the stats are there like you can find evidence of it if you're not watching, um like he leads the league in steals he has like the most steals by far in the NBA this year, like a pretty wide margin, um I think he has like the most contested threes in the league by far, um he's like he's tons of hustle stats like there's a lot there that you can say but he is just a adjusting to becoming one of the best two way guards in the NBA and perhaps he already is that. Um, yep. because offensively over 30 points per game, six and six. I mean, he's really dominant and he's starting to use the three ball a little bit more. He's been killer in the mid range. His free throws are down a little bit, but he still leads the league in free throw percentage. I mean, he's unstoppable um, yeah. at this point as an offensive player, just because like we all know, like the, the change of speed stuff is clinical. You know, there's not really many guys in the league that can do like the stop and start, you know, over and over again as he gets to the hoop or as he gets to his mid range shot. You know, he can decide when he when his foot gets inside the three point line, he can decide like, do I want to stop and pop? Do I want to get all the way to the hoop? Do I want to try to get fouled? Do like what do I want to do here? Um, yeah. And the the creativity is off the charts. And you know, similar to Halliburton, like just an outrageously great teammate that is helping the guys around him become better players too. So, yeah. 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 I think that's completely reasonable. And I think that you are totally good with it. Honestly, if I had to pick one of those two guys to win a basketball game tomorrow, I would pick Shea. Like truly I I would. Uh, The reason I went with Halliburton in the MVP discussion specifically is I think his teammates are worse. I think you would agree with that. Uh, Yeah. I I would say, 
I would say that they are worse as far as like ceiling goes. But I also just wonder if like the fit is better in Indy. You know what I mean? Oh, really? Like start, really? Starting lineup fit. Starting well, yeah, fit like the, the Giddy stuff has been like a total nightmare uh, over the course of the last the, few weeks. The Giddy and the, the Giddy and Dort in particular is like yeah. teams have started to put their centers on Giddy. They leave Dort on an island. Yeah. You know, with Halliburton, like he's got adequate space. They put Bruce Brown in the right spot every time. Um, you know, I think, and, you know, they geared that that lineup for Halliburton, you know. Yep. Whereas, like, with the Thunder, you know, the, the lineup isn't necessarily geared toward Shea. It's geared toward having, like, a high-functioning NBA team that is going to compete for an NBA title someday, not today, but someday compete for an NBA yeah. title because of the overwhelming playmaking and talent that they have there. You know, it's going to take time for it to gel, and I still... You know, we don't have to get into the giddy portion of it, but like there's there's going to be bumps in the road and there were going to be bumps in the road, you know, with the with the thunder. And some of it is just their age. Um, So that's why I would kind of push push back on that a little bit. I think that you're not wrong to push back on that. The more I think about it, I think what I was thinking is like, I think Chad is the best. Like if you put the other, you know, guys on the. Yeah roster like into a group yeah yeah chet's the best player out of you know the thunder mm-hmm. and pacers guys mm-hmm. i think i would take miles next <clears throat> and then i think i would take Jalen williams mm-hmm. yeah you know what like the pacers do the pacers are deeper with dudes they're yeah. deeper they're deeper just because like i mean Dort's a good player but i don't know that i think i might take all the other guys on the pacers over him um, same probably with Giddy right now. Probably not Obi. Probably not. Probably not Obi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, not Obi. But just like the way that, and and it's funny because like the Thunder have like their own version of Bruce Brown on the team and Kendrick Williams. No, they're yeah. not that dissimilar of player. Yeah. Um, but they just haven't coming off the bench. You and know, then the they Thunder have Isaiah just, Joe. They have Casey they have their Isaiah Joe, Joe which is their really buddy healed. Yeah, I mean yeah. they they have their version. Uh, they actually like they actually have the their version of the Pacers starting lineup on the roster already. They just don't deploy it. But part of that is is just that they have like a they have a lot of talent spread throughout, you know. And you know may, maybe they will eventually need to make the Matherin move that they did, you know, that the Pacers did with Giddy. I, I think that that's where it's headed. Like they, they are going to have to do that. Like they, they need to take Giddy out of the starting lineup because Houston, I think particularly showed the blueprint on what to do. Like you just they, play Shangun on him for, you know, I think it was like they played him on him, um, you know, for a substantial portion of that game. So on him, to, on him, but also off of him. <laughs> No, like didn't guard him. Like truly did <laughs> not know? guard him. Yeah, I mean um, it's just like, hey, Shengun, keep an eye on this guy, but like also like be don't in worry drop about coverage. It. Yeah. Yeah. No, Josh is gonna have to shoot. Um okay, so Halliburton here. Currently is averaging twenty seven points, I think twelve assists, two point four, two point three turnovers per game, something in that ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people have ever done that in league history? Is it zero? 
uh, it's zero. Do you know how many people have ever averaged 24 or no, 25 and 10 with under three turnovers in history? Oh gosh, I don't know. It's zero. Do you know how many people have averaged 24 points and nine assists with under (sighs) three turnovers per game? Is it also zero? It's also zero, but Nikola Jokic is also doing that this season as well so far. (laughs) So it's not that Halliburton is, you know, doing things that people haven't seen. He's blowing like things out of the water that we haven't seen before in terms of combining pull up shooting, scoring, decision making and passing and driving transition play playmaking for his teammates and elite yeah. level decision making on top mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Tyrese Halliburton's shooting splits are, Andrew? Uh, I don't have them right in front of me, but they're absurd. He is at 52 and a half, 44.1 from three, 88% from the line. He is at 44.1% from three on nine, three point attempts per game. <laughs> this is Seriously, like his offensive game right now is like if you made Stephen Curry the best like passer decision maker point guard in the league. That's yeah. what I think like people haven't understood. And I don't think the shooting is going to hold up to that level at that volume, just to be completely honest. Like yeah. I think he'll probably be at like 40, something like that. But like I don't think he's going to be at like 45, right? Yeah. You throw in the fact yeah. that 12 assists in like 2.4 turn. What are we doing? 12 assists doesn't ever turn the ball over. And like more importantly, and this is like something that Steph does too, is that they both lead in such a way that everybody wants to follow. Yeah. And like that to me is, is so important for the future of the Pacers franchise because it literally changed everything about the way the Warriors function yeah, is the way that Steph Curry leads. It's not only the shooting, but it's like that everybody would do anything for Steph Curry and like the Steph comp. Um, like there's, there's definitely um, game wise. There's some things about it that are, that are much different, but leadership wise and joy wise, like it's the same stuff. Like it's the same blueprint. You know, yeah. that's to me is like the most in- one of the most interesting things. And we talked about it earlier. Like he's going to recruit guys to come play with him. And that's what the pace like the paces are really lacking. Like just like one like real dude next to him where it's like, hey, yep. it's Tyrese Halliburton and fill in the blank that are going to dominate the Eastern Conference. And whoever that is, I don't know. I mean, you mentioned OG. I don't know the OG necessarily like hits that level of what they kind of need but Tyrese is is somebody that if you're a Pacers fan like man you're feeling you're feeling really good about where this is all going um for a multitude of reasons and like the statistical case is right now absurd and I cannot wait to watch him again tomorrow so Stephen Curry's 2016 season, the one where he won mm-hmm. MVP, right? Like that mm-hmm. widely seen as one of the greatest offensive seasons in NBA history, right? He averaged mm-hmm. 30 points, you know, 
50% from the field, 45% from three, 90% from the line, 6.7 assists, 3.3 turnovers, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal season, right? And that was yep. in an era that was a little bit different than the one we're in now totally from a pace perspective, yeah, offensive yeah, yeah. efficiency, everything like that. That season, yep. uh, Stephen Curry's offensive EPM, so estimated plus minus, according to dunksandthrees.com, Taylor Snars, really, really good uh, all-in-one metric that – uh, is considered you know league wide to be the best like public facing metric right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a plus nine point two offensive EPM that season. Do you know what Halliburton's offensive EPM is right now? I don't. It's plus nine point four. Basically, oh what Tyrese Halliburton is doing right now. And again, I don't know that this will hold over the course of the full season. It is better than anything we've seen from Steph offensively. Yeah. And it's better than anything we've seen from Jokic offensively in terms of EPM. (laughs) That's how good he's been offensively. I don't think enough people have recognized like the everyone can talk about like oh my god he's been unbelievable these in-season tournament games everything like that like it's not just that i don't think people have realized the extent to which he has been elite and oh by the way they have a 123.4 offensive rating or whatever and that's setting the league record by like four points per 100 possessions yeah it's insane what he's doing he is absolutely unbelievably good right now um, mm-hmm. And to me, like I had to put him at number three because of that I had Giannis at five. It sounds like you would Embiid at five. I'd Embiid at five. Yes. Okay. So th- that's our uh, all NBA team for the first team, mm-hmm. right? Second team. I had my next group of three, including like Giannis, was Tatum, Luca, and LeBron. I would have had Tatum yeah. six, LeBron seven, Luca eight. Yeah. I I have Durant six. I so have I LeBron seven. Eight. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say I have Durant Durant six, LeBron seven, yep. Luca eight, uh yep. and then Tatum next on my list. Yeah, so I had KD at ten and I had Steph at nine. Right now. Okay. Okay. I have De'Aaron so, Fox at 10, by the way. And I have De'Aaron at 11. So we're like kind okay. of in the same yeah, ballpark yeah, yeah. here on where uh-huh. we're at. So uh, I want to spend a minute on LeBron here. I kind of waited on the in-season tournament thing because uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to hold off on LeBron because I knew I wanted to talk about him here. LeBron has been like back to his best again this season like pretty maybe not like the elite elite unbelievable like best player in the world like maybe ever lebron but Mm -hmm. he has been ridiculous this season he's averaging 25 points seven and a half rebounds 6.6 assists per game more than that though he's been much better defensively this season than what we've seen from him in the last few recent years. He he has been fantastic, uh, uh, unbelievable this season. Athletically, I mean, he was in in that game last night. I mean, I mentioned it like he he was the most athletic guy on the court. I mean, he yeah. he just he he glides and moves 
like no other heck 35 year old I've ever seen. And the fact that he's doing this at this age where he is clearly the best player on the team, the engine of what they do, shooting the ball pretty well too from deep and like taking a pretty nice volume of threes too um, is like been a little bit of a change for him. Like he looks, he just looks great. He looks great. He looks like he's ready to compete. And I wonder if he will keep the foot on the gas after tomorrow and what that will look like through March. And maybe things change. We're like, Oh, well, LeBron has fallen off and maybe he won't be in this type of conversation for the rest of the season. And then, kind of save himself for the playoffs. And if I were him and I were 39 years old trying to win another title, that's what I would do. But he cares about this in-season tournament. He wants to win it. And the fact that he can still put his mind to it and like have to go through Durant to make it happen. I mean, they, they, they dismantled the Pelicans. And some of that was like, not just the Lakers. That was the Pelicans doing too. Um, but yeah, he's been unbelievable, deserving of an All NBA nod again, uh, deserving of, yeah. of an All Star spot, deserving to be a All Star starter, more than likely. Um, he's been absurd, and yeah. it's is it's a ama- it's amazing to watch him, like to be able to watch him through the years, um, and get to see him do this in person still at this. Like I feel, I feel so blessed myself just to be able to watch him play in person. Um, yeah. because like what we're watching is unprecedented. Like there's, we, we talk about like a lot of unprecedented things with like Jokic and Halliburton and all these guys, just what he's done longevity wise is so unprecedented. Like we may never see this ever again. We may never see a, a player yeah. that's this great for this long. Um, and I feel like part of our theme, part, one of our themes here throughout the show is like intelligence. It's like that intelligence is not just doesn't wane at all and the and it's his athleticism is like probably the most impressive thing it's like i can't believe he can still do that like i can't believe he can still get up like that at what age do you think lebron would still be like a top 40 player in the league because of that intelligence (laughs) it it truly might be like like 47 48 yeah like that was gonna say like 47 48 (laughs) isn't that crazy like that's like, that's so crazy. That's so crazy to me. Like I think like mid forties he'd like drop off of you know like all NBA for sure, right? Uh, like he's too good of a passer. He's too good of a rebounder. Like he's be- he's becoming a good shooter, like a better shooter as he gets yeah. older. It's like like why not? It's it's going to come down to like what does he want? Like what does he want? To- oh, hundred percent. Yeah, you no, know, like that's what it'll like, come down to. It's not going to. Like he's gonna stop playing, and there's gonna be like, yeah, like there's a lot of meat on the bone there for LeBron if he wants it. Yeah, there really is. Like he, he, if he really wanted to, he'd be able. The thing that might drive him. What if he just decided, like, okay, fuck it, like nobody's ever gonna break the records I wanted, like that I have. Nobody's ever gonna come close to the scoring record again. He could do it. He could do that. He, he really could lock could. it all up. He could lock it all up if he wanted to. Yeah. Like he could make it so that like nobody's within like ten thousand points of him. I think <laughs> that'd be nuts. Uh, what, that'd be. I wouldn't put crazy. it. I wouldn't put it past him to do it either. I really wouldn't. I don't know. Oh it's just going to depend on like how long he wants to play. Like honestly, I think a piece of it depends on like you know is Brownie in the NBA and like 
does he yeah. really want to play like an extended period with Bronny? Right. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's true. Uh, Tatum, you know, Luca, Steph, KD, those are the guys I have. You have Fox in this mix. Uh, let's go with, you know, a- anybody that you want to talk about there is fine with me. I love what De'Aaron Fox has done. And he's missed a little bit yep. of time so far. But um, there's just a little skepticism around uh, the Kings going into the season. Like, oh, like, are people going to figure them out? Are they, you know, they had, you know, such luck with their health and yada, yada, yada. And, but boy, has he taken a step up in the 14 games that yeah. he's played. I agree. He's, he's 30, uh, yeah. 35 and six, basically, over one yeah. and a half steals, taking eight threes per game, which is a career high by far. Making thirty five percent, which is he was only he only outdid that his second year in the league, which he wasn't taking that many. Uh, he's been so good. He's up to his free throw rate. He's up to his three point uh, attempts. He's just a more dominant player. Period. Yeah. And like that's the reason why the Kings aren't going away is because and people forget how young he is too. He's twenty six years old. Like this isn't like a thirty year old De'Aaron Fox that is like inching past his prime. He is still in like a pre-prime age. Yep. And so De'Aaron has has a, a ways to go to get better. And he he took he at least in these 14 games has taken a massive step forward as an offensive player. And like to me, that's he's been outrageously impressive. Yeah, so totally agree with you. To me, the big thing is the shooting, right? He is clearly drastically better as a shooter than what he was. Mm -hmm. He's clearly drastically Mm -hmm. more comfortable taking those shots than what he was. Uh, Look, it's 14 games. I want to see exactly where it settles in, in terms of him. Mm -hmm. Like if he's a 36% three-point shooter on eight attempts per game, when you throw that with his speed, with his uh, synergy, with the Sabonis and, you know, handoffs, screening actions, things like that, he is unstoppable. Like he's completely mm-hmm. unstoppable. I gave Steph mm-hmm. the nod over him purely because like Steph has played 19. He's played 14 sure. on some level. Like I do think the results matter on this, which is why mm-hmm. I went, you know, Fox on third team, but there was no way I could get De'Aaron Fox past like 11, even having not played that many games at this point, comparatively mm-hmm. to everybody else. He's been unbelievable. And by the way, like Luca has been unbelievable too. Uh, he's averaging like yeah. 32, I think it's like 32, eight and eight right now, 49% from the field, 39% from three, 76% from the line. The big thing with Luca is always where the pull up shooting is going to settle in. Right. Uh, right now they're going in and because they're going in, I think that he has been a huge, huge, huge impact player. Uh, the reason that I went with somebody like Halliburton over him, you know, you could point to neither of them are great defenders, both on like extreme offense caliber teams, uh, mm-hmm. not great defensive teams. Right. I think that the turnovers and the efficiency for Halliburton and frankly, like the better passing. Uh, yeah. I think Halliburton has basically been like a better version of what we've seen from Luca to this point mm-hmm. this season. I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. He's yeah. also a, a much better rebounder, too, which he's been like he's contributed a lot on the boards. Luca has this yeah, season. I agree. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I'd have Hall- Halliburton over him as of now, but like 
we're also like talking about like pretty small degrees here. We're a quarter of the way through the season. This thing is going to change like a hundred percent. It really is. Okay. Uh, and Kevin Durant, like, has been incredible this season. Steph's been yep. incredible this season. Uh, KD, you know, for a long stretch there, really tried to carry the Suns, like, on his back when Devin Booker was out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Durant right now is having, like, the quietest 31-point-per-game season. <laughs> what, do you know what KD <laughs> is shooting right now, Andrew? I don't have it in front of me, no. He's shooting 52-50-90. he's he's absurd man he he's he's so good been unbelievable yeah that's he's been unbelievable uh that's crazy next group for me i have a big group honestly of like you know eight to ten guys that i think you could have on the third team i had fox on the third team you'd Steph on the third team that was our one shift there uh i have tyrese maxi i have anthony edwards i have paul george I have Anthony Davis. Yeah, I have I have the the same list that you do with um with Anna Edwards. I actually have Devin Booker in there and I can't remember yeah. which one I have out, but um I have Devin Booker. He's only played 12 games, but boy has he been good. And he's got he's, yeah. I mean, he's got to play I think he can only miss like seven more games, I think. Um yep. so he's got to play a lot the rest of the way. And so for now I can squeeze him in there, but I kind of question whether he'll actually get to the finish line as far as like awards go. Um, but yeah. he's been, when he's played, you could, you could argue. I would listen to an argument for him on the first team. I would too. Truly. He's been on, he has been, I think their best player when he's played. Uh, I yeah. went with KD because of the just, amount of time that they've both played uh and mm-hmm. again katie is putting up 31 points on 51 50 90 <laughs> like that's impossible uh but look I, I think devin's you know shift to playing in a much more on ball uh state has really really worked well he's averaging eight assists per game his passing improvement has been you know absolutely phenomenal yep yeah He's um, and 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 defensively too. That's like that's the one thing that maybe yeah. Um, several of these guys that we've talked about could improve at, and Devin Booker is like living proof that some of these guys are going to have the chance to get better because like Booker was not good for many years, and has like turned himself into a good defender. And so I think it's like a great blueprint for a lot of these guys to follow. It's like you can you can care about both ends of the game and and be really productive on both ends. I'll save Anthony Davis for the next section that we're going to do. We haven't talked about Anthony Edwards yet uh, or anybody on the Mm -hmm. Minnesota Timberwolves who, oh, by the way, have the best record in the NBA. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was between Ant and Rudy for me. I I went with Ant because he seems to be the guy there that just drives everything on offense for them. Uh, You could say Rudy drives everything on defense for them, but when I watch Anthony Edwards, it just really seems like he's the guy there every single time. I think his passing has improved uh, to a real extent this season. Continues to just be a elite shot maker. Uh, yeah, Anthony Edwards uh, has been great, and Paul George I think has been unbelievable this season. Like yeah. when I, when I watch Paul George, I'm like, man, it's a bummer to me that Kawhi keeps getting hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. it is and i thought that for the last 50 games of last season Kawhi was the 
probably, you know, fifth or sixth best player in the league. But man, there, there's just something about Paul George's game that to me is so aesthetically pleasing. Like, oh, I yeah. just love watching him play. And oh, by the way, he is also utterly elite on defense. Like, he is yeah. so goddamn good on that end of the court. Uh, that's yeah. why I went with him. The the other guy, the guy that, like, I hated leaving off was Trey Young. Uh, I think Trey okay. has been unbelievable this season. I think he has been so fantastic. Uh, you look at the offensive game, like, he is averaging, like, 30 points and 10 assists or something right now. He's been unbelievable. 27 points, 10 assists. 41% from the field, 35% from three. He just drives so, so much for them on offense. He does. I The Hawks have been weird. They came through town, and Quinn, we are asking Quinn about, you know, just like overall, like what the team's been like. It was kind of early on in the season. He's like, well, you know, we're really having to learn each other. Yeah. I was like, and he kind of like went into that a little bit. He's like, well, and it's it's funny because like these same guys have been here for a long time, you know, but they're having to like relearn each other in a different context, which I think has been challenging for Trey to to be honest. I think it's not yep. been easy, an easy transition for him. Um, and I think they're still figuring it out. They're just not like they're it's hard for me to watch the Hawks. They're just like a little uninspiring to me. Because I don't know like yeah. how they reach their next level. Um, Trey has been he's been up and down, but it is his scoring efficiency is ticking back up. It was really bad, really really bad to start the season. Like over the last like ten or so games, like he's he's been really good. If he if he had played this way the whole season, you know I probably would have him in the conversation. But just the beginning part of the season kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Defensive player of the year for me is a two-person race, and that's why I wanted to yeah. save Anthony Davis. I have Rudy and Anthony Davis at one and two. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I think that they are neck and neck. I went with mm-hmm. Rudy because Minnesota has very clearly been the best defense in the league this season. LA is in the top five. Like, Let's not sugarcoat that either, and I think a big piece mm-hmm. of that is Anthony Davis, but uh, he's the critical piece of it. I went with Rudy, though, because he is just back to his full scale best uh on that end as a elite level rim protector uh completely shutting everything down around the basket yeah he looks spry again i don't know what happened i don't know what changed for him but something clearly did because he just is a much better player i mean the timberwolves who like have good defenders throughout the roster but don't have like don't have necessarily have the team you think like oh yeah they're going to be first in defense for sure you know yeah um they definitely had like the tools and the talent to be there um and they weren't last year like how much different is the team from last year to this year not all that different yeah I mean, they just have no. mike, Con- mike like mike conley for the whole time now which i think is a really big deal for them but like they were the 10th best defense last season at a 113.1 is what they finished with they're 106 right now sam 106 and it seems sustainable to me. Like they're so good. I mean, I I've seen them uh, a few times this year, and Rudy is back to putting fear in the hearts of 
of these guys that he's playing yeah. against. The guys don't want they are their second and third guessing decisions that they're making as drivers or as guys that are wanting to get to the hoop or wanting to take shots around the hoop. I mean, he he had Chet like real worried on multiple yeah. occasions. Where I was like, okay, whoa, whoa. Like I'm 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 so interested and we'll talk about Chet later, but I'm so interested to see Chet play him again. Because Chet has done a really good job so far this year of playing somebody maybe not doing so hot uh, and then making adjustments like pretty quickly second time around. And so I'm curious to see what that looks like second time around. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it looked a whole lot like it did the first time around because Rudy has just been that good for them. Yeah. He's leading the the, the best defense in the league by far. Um, the rebounding is absurd. The, the rim defense is absurd. Um, I just think like, he's, he's having like a resurgent season. Like this is what this is what would this is what the vision was last year. Yes. Um and it did not happen. Whether that be for you know, it it could just be that they needed time. It could just be that like mentally they weren't in the right spot. I know being traded is is probably not a whole lot of fun, I can imagine, you know, for these guys. And it yeah. just may have taken time for Rudy, but he's back and he's one of the best players in the league. Like, he should be an all-star. He should be, you know, number one for defensive player of the year. Um, yeah, I did, I don't think it's that close. I think AD has been has been definitely awesome, but I just don't think it's particularly close. I think this is not even a two-man race. I think it's just it's if this is what it's going to be the rest of the season, it's Rudy's award, like the end. The the guy that we haven't mentioned yet is Carl Anthony Towns, and yep. I want to give Carl Anthony Towns some love here, not on defense necessarily. You know, he's been a little bit better on defense this season for sure. You know, he's there positionally and is at least like not getting destroyed every single game. But mm-hmm. offensively, he started like quite poorly, and that was definitely a storyline, right? Sure. I think it came to a head mm-hmm. uh, in a game against Boston where they won the game, but he ended up with like seven points and only played 27 minutes and went three for 10 from the field. Since that game, he's averaging 24 points, nine rebounds, three assists, shooting 57% from the field, 52% from three, 90 from the line. Uh, Carl Towns has been unbelievable for about a month long stretch now. And I, yeah. I want to give him flowers. Like I, I couldn't really get him into all NBA. I couldn't get him into a- any of the categories here. Re- yeah. Really? But I just wanted to mention, like, I think Carl has been unbelievable this season, and I really do want to kind of show him flowers and show him some respect here. Uh, yeah. Anthony Davis this season, to me, he just continues to be like the most versatile defender among bigs in the league. The switchability, mm-hmm. the ability to protect the rim, the ability to be a primary rim protector, the ability to play different ball screen coverages. It just completely changes what you can do defensively uh, when mm-hmm. he's out there. His ability Mm -hmm. to impact the game in that way is just such an enormous, enormous piece of what makes them special, I think, on that end. Yeah, the versatility and the rebounding are are so crucial to their defense, just like in to end the possessions. And then even like offensive rebounding is like a whole nother piece of the pie. But like he's been so good on that end for the Lakers, too. Uh, And the offensive responsibilities that he takes on. Like this is where it's like separate from Rudy, where it's like Anthony Davis is like clearly like the better all around player, 
Um, and I don't think anybody would question that, but boy, like to have the offensive responsibilities that AD does and get virtually no credit for it from many yeah. people. Um, and then still compete like he does defensively. Like he, he truly is a special player. And I hope that we get to see like an extended uh, season of health for him. You know, that's, yeah. that's like, that's just been the thing for a while. Like he hadn't played, you know, 60 games in several years. And so we can get a, a healthier season from AD. I think like that to me is like the thing to circle because once he's, I mean, when he's playing, He's passing well. He's rebounding like a monster. He's blocking shots everywhere. He's defending multiple positions. He's taking all you know all kinds of different shots. He's impossible to stop around the hoop. And there's just so many things that he does well, and it's pretty thankless. And a lot of it is because he's under the shadow of LeBron, and you know he chose that, and I think he wants that. Um, but yeah, he's great, and I think that he's deserving. You know top three candidate for this award i have Suggs at number three okay i have jalen Suggs um, at number three uh they have been phenomenal on defense this season i think he keeps have. the whole thing with his energy yeah. his activity his aggression uh his mentality and his motor out there it's energy it is uh it provides the energy every single time right uh, yeah. he is to me the reason that they're a top four defense in the league as much as anything mm-hmm. else. I also think like Goga Batadze has been like super underrated for them on defense. Goga's good. Like, Goga's good. Really I talked to good. Dave before about <laughs> Goga every single week. We, Dave and I talk yeah. about Goga every single week. And yeah, Goga's he's good. Like if you know, maybe Wendell, Wendell Carter comes comes back. I mean, not that they would want to trade him because like you'd just probably rather have that guy on your team. Um. But like they could probably get a like a pretty decent return for Goga. There are a lot of teams that could use him. I have some takes on that that I'll save for another podcast. Uh, <laughs> we can't we can't dive into that because I have some takes. Uh, who did you have at number three? I have Herb Jones number three. Yeah, great. No, Herb Jones has been unbelievable. Uh, did you list Herb as a forward or a guard? I listed him as, and this is like becoming a trend from guys that I listen to. I listed him as basketball player because, like, he, yeah, right, especially as a, <laughs> especially as a defender. Yeah, I get. It depends on what team it is. Yeah, you know, it's it's not even de- dependent on. I like it's it's only dependent on like who's on the other side, and what does Willie Green want him to do, because the options are everything with Herb, just because he is. So relentless. He's so quick. He's got such long arms. Uh, he can do, he can defend any. I mean, I would feel comfortable with him defending anybody. Like, is there anybody that you'd be like, yeah, I'm not so sure about him defending them? Is there anybody? No, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. 100% good. Uh, I ended up with Herb. Uh, where would he have been? It would have been like fifth or sixth for me. So I'm totally yeah. with that. It's such, uh, it's such oh, a hard, it's such a hard award too. It's like, cause just because yeah. like we don't have like the offense, like the stats to like compare, like on, like we do with offense and MVP and all that, but yeah. well, it's especially hard in a 20 game sample, right? Like oh, I think yeah. Jaden McDaniels in the 11 games that he played has been like unbelievable, but you know, he missed, he's missed nine yeah. games already. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's going to be hard. Uh, I, 
all defense, Jalen Suggs, Alex Caruso in the guard spots, because I actually do believe that we still have positions for this, right? That was my impression. Mm. When you said when you said it, I think that's correct, but I I don't I don't know that I remember. I'm not hundred percent sure. There were a lot that changed, and I can't remember if that yeah. was one of them. I did like ten minutes of googling on this and couldn't find a change, so I just used positions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so Jalen Suggs and Alex Caruso at the guard positions. Anthony Davis and Evan Mobley, by the way, I think has continued to be unbelievable on defense uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers good. this season. Very good. It's been great. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, like the big thing with Evan Mobley uh, has typically been, yeah, but like, how do you separate? Jared Allen from him, right? Jared Allen missed the first few games, and I thought Evan Mobley yeah. was fantastic in those games as well defensively. We got to see it. Did a great job. Uh, second team, I have Shea. I have Dylan Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. I have Herb Jones. I have Jaron Jackson Jr. I have Bam Adebayo. Uh, any A, what does your teams look like? B, anywhere you want to go there? Uh, Well, I'm kind of curious where where you have Chet in this mix. Yeah, did not place Chet because I used category fraud to get Anthony Davis on the first team as it was. Yeah. And I still felt like AD, Bam, and Jaron were the three that I like really, really needed. Uh at the yeah. center spot. And I still used like category fraud to get like Jaron out of the center spot, which I feel like he's played like a pretty decent amount of this season. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you're like, sell me on the, sell me on Jaron. I mean, that team has been absolutely like horrible throughout the course of the season, but it has nothing to do with their defense. They're still in the top eight in the league defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. without Steven Adams, without Brandon Clark, without, uh, you know, John Moran, obviously, which might help their defense, but like mm-hmm. he has continued to lift that defense, like across the board. He has been mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like you look across that roster, I, I, like Desmond Bain's fine on defense, right? Marcus Smart has missed mm-hmm. nine games. Uh, mm-hmm. Santi Aldama missed a big stretch at the start of the season. Wouldn't call him like an elite level defender. Bismack mm-hmm. Biombo, you know, is a guy that they pulled off of free agency. David Roddy, Luke Kennard, Zaire Williams, Jalen Noel, Derek Rose, you know, John mm-hmm. Concher, Jacob Gilliard, like shout out Jacob Gilliard works yeah. his ass off. Just very small. The fact very that this small. team has a top eight defense is miraculous to me. Yeah. Okay. I can buy that. Yeah. And I then Dylan that. Brooks, I, I think, deserves like a lot of credit as like a floor raiser for Houston. Just oh, yeah. bringing energy and aggression and toughness every night. They have a top three defense in the league. And to me, he's the biggest piece of why. Oh, yeah. I, I would not question Dylan. He's been great. I mean, he, he was part of like what allowed the uh, the Rockets to defend in the way that they did the other night was that they said, you take Shea. We'll yep. we'll mix and match the rest, and you know he did good enough. Yep. You know he's he is that disruptive, and he is he he is a floor raiser defensively. I questioned that a little bit, to be honest, especially with that team. I questioned it, and the fact yep. that he's gotten them to do this is like okay, like I buy it. Like I I definitely buy it. Um, 
yeah, he's been great. Uh, what do you have? Do you have any other teams here? Um, let me pull up my defense. Uh, let's see. I still think Brook Lopez has been pretty good, especially uh, more yeah. recently. And so I, I still think of him. Uh, did you mention Drew Holiday? Uh, yeah. So the problem I had with Boston. So Boston is the number two defense in the league. It was hard for me to separate Derek White, who has been great defensively again. Yeah. Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. who has been great defensively again. I think Jalen mm-hmm. Brown's actually been quite good defensively. And I think Kristaps yeah. has been quite good defensively. To me, yeah. it was almost like they have four guys like in the top 30, top 25, something like that. Plus Tatum's been like fine on defense this year. Yeah. And like I couldn't get anybody in the top 10, though. Yeah, I would put him there just just because of the versatility, I guess. Because they they kind of use him all over the place. Like similar to like the they description do. I had of Herb earlier. It's like they they're throwing him on all kinds of people throughout the season. So like that would be the that may that that would be why I would squeeze him in. Yeah. And then like I felt the same way about Ananobi and Barnes. Uh, I think both of them have been quite good. I think Barnes's metrics are a little bit overrated defensively yeah. uh, based on like the role he plays. They've started to shift toward like Barnes playing this like center field role on the back line. And then OG playing, obviously continuing to be like the stopper guy. It's kind of hard to separate like which one I felt like was more important to that, I guess. And their defense has yeah. just been like very slightly worse than some of these other defenses uh, that yeah. we've talked about. I would probably lean OG, um, at least for now. That was my reaction to. Uh, yeah. Okay. Did you uh, want to say you said teams? Okay. Do you want to move to rookie of the year? And this yes. will be the last longer conversation that we have. Yeah, yeah. I think that rookie of the year is honestly the easiest top three to assemble right now. I would agree. It was not. I didn't have to give too much thought to it. Yeah. It's Chet 1, Vic 2, and Hawkes 3 to me. Yeah. And I just didn't even really have to think twice about it. Uh, We haven't talked a ton about Chet here. Chet has been a borderline all-star. I couldn't get him into like real all-NBA consideration. But yeah. If he makes the all-star team, I would not be blown away by that. Like, I think that it could hmm. come down to one of him or like Alper and Shengun. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think they've been very, very close. I think I might take just Shengun by a hair right now, uh, given the overall versatility of what he brings on offense. But mm-hmm. Chet has been unbelievable this season. Uh, you watch him every night. Like you, this is, this is your show now (laughs) taking over. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been better than I expected. A lot of it is the shooting. Like he's a legit shooter. And I think like that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, the thunder are the best free throw shooting team in the league. And he's going to be a huge part of that moving forward. Um, but yeah, the scoring has been great. The, the timely shots, too like he has a knack for just hitting threes in rhythm in moments that are very important he's done it twice he did it obviously the golden state one that people remember um was absurd he did it in cleveland earlier this year uh as a rim deterrent 
it's something the Thunder haven't seen since a guy like Serge Ibaka, and he's like frankly better than Serge was just because he just thinks the game at such a high level. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's everything, and he can like his handle is better than I thought it would be too. And he doesn't test it all that much yet. Um, certainly in transition, he does. And you can just see that like this is a superstar. Like Chet is a superstar. I think like the, the top two guys are going to be like forces to be reckoned with in the NBA for a very long time because the skill level is just out the wazoo with both of them. And yeah. I think it's easy to give the nod to Chet because he's one, he's just further along. And some of that, like he's older and he's been with a team with the team for a year. Uh, the situation is better, but like he's just more efficient defensively. I just think like he's fits in better as like a cog in the system. And and I and I don't begrudge the Spurs for doing any of the things that they're doing because I think that they really needed to figure oh, out exa- there's, exactly. There's one thing I begrudge them for. <laughs> Well, and I honestly don't begrudge them for hardly anything, to, to be honest, because I do think that they need to figure out everything that there is to know about Wimby this year. Like that's what it, that's yeah. what it's all about. It's like figuring out like what exactly do we have, what do we need to work on, how do we get this guy to be the most dominant player in the NBA? And I think that yep. they're they're on their way to doing that. They they're also losing a crap ton of games, which is also why you can't yeah. put him number one. Um, yeah. If if they were just losing a normal amount of games, you know, yeah. and like I they mean, were lost just 15 like in a row, yeah, yeah, like he just can't. It's unprecedented to put a guy as like the leader for rookie of the year on a team that's that bad. It's honestly, they they should send like Monty Williams in the Detroit Pistons like the nicest bottle of champagne imaginable because <laughs> if it wasn't for the Pistons being a total dumpster fire. Yeah, San Antonio losing 15 straight would be an enormous story right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, that's it would totally be a true. Big deal, and because yeah, Detroit has been like a total disaster. It's been a little mm-hmm. bit better. Um, the big thing for Chet is he's just not shooting well, but he's not shooting well even on like you know open shots. You know, he's shooting like 22 percent on catch and shoot shots right now, and that's not mm-hmm. good enough. It's like mm-hmm. easiest way to say it. It's kind of mm-hmm. not good enough. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's uh, it's Chet 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 by a good margin today. Um, and it's very exciting. Jaime though, like, did you see this coming for Jaime? Like, I just like I'm I've been since you asked me to do this. I've just been <laughs> weirdly curious, like your thoughts on like. Jaime from last year at UCLA to this point in the season with the Heat, which is probably unsustainable in some ways, but like he's been so good. Yeah. So he's doing essentially literally the exact thing he did at UCLA, which you don't expect for a rookie coming into the NBA, maybe is the way yeah. to put it. Uh, yeah. I think a big thing for his success, and by the way, like it's a credit to him that he fits this heat culture stuff. Like, don't get that twisted. A big piece of his success is finding a coach in Eric Spolstra that's willing to lean into what he does great instead of trying to fix 
and try instead of trying to fit Hawkes, who has this kind of unconventional game, into mm-hmm. a box. He instead has leaned into what makes Jaime great, which is yeah. mid post footwork, being able to process, you know, reads, being able to uh let him play in like occasional ball screens using his versatility really well, uh, allowing mm-hmm. him to have the freedom to just like cut as he needs to right anytime. Right. So <clears throat> I think that's the big thing for me is he went to a place that embraces who he is as a player, which has yeah. allowed him to thrive as early as possible. Uh, and he's incredibly skilled. Like the feet are unbelievable. His deceleration is unbelievable. Uh, I think he's improved as a shooter. I always thought the shooting percentages were a little bit lower than what the actual shooting talent was at UCLA because everything mm-hmm. was contested because everybody sold out to stop him. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I think he's been great. Uh, and I love everything I've seen from him. Uh, yeah. Let's go to coach of the year. Do you, li- Do you like his nickname though? What is that? Have you seen his basketball reference nickname? Juan Wick. What? That that? just feels like a little bit like a little bit like appropriative, maybe. (laughs) You think? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm very interested to know more about that uh, and how that came up, I think, is where I'm at on that. Uh, Hey, can can I give it just... Yeah, can I give a shout out to Case to Case and Wallace real quick? Yeah. Do you do you want to do like a quick all rookie team? Like I I can kind of make that up. I didn't ask you to do that. I can make one up off the top of my head though. Yeah, let's yeah, let's just give our let's just give our top five. Yeah. Um, So go ahead and talk about Case and while I'm kind of figuring that out. Yeah, Kaysen's been been really good. And it's been a lot of it I I credit to to Mark Degnault because he's willing to use Kaysen in a lot of different ways, and Kaysen's been good in that. Um, they use him as a screener a lot. They use him in the dunker spot. Uh, he's been really good spotting up. Uh, he defends well. He is a brilliant defender and a brilliant basketball player. Like He just he knows how to play, just flat out knows how to play. And yeah. they give him lots of different roles, and he kind of takes them all on, and he's been good in almost every setting so yeah he's been great um i i think brandon miller's been good it's just hard to watch that team (laughs) it's just like for me um but i like what brandon miller's done uh i think Derek lively is like very very clearly a top five rookie in this class so i'd probably have chet wimby Hawkes, Lively, Kaysen would probably be my top five, though. Yeah, I would flip Brandon for Kaysen and have Kaysen at six. I would have Asar Thompson, seven, Bilal Koulibaly, eight. I'd have Keontae okay. George, I think, right now at nine. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And yeah, this is now where this gets fun. I have to come up with a tenth. What do you think about Pajimski? Not quite. Like I, I don't think he's played quite enough yeah 
like get there for this um because they've been like yanking him in and out of the rotation unfortunately i know he's played like 15 games or whatever but like yeah it feels like it's been more hit or miss also i think his like people love the charge taking stuff but like i think he's really gotten hit defensively when i've seen him yeah yeah what do you think about monty what he's doing with us are um I don't have a crazy problem with what he's doing with a SAR mm-hmm. because man, a SAR is bad on offense right now. Like it, it's yeah. really, really hard. It's really, really hard. Really, really yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Like he, he can't, he can't really do anything other than like cut, like he airballs multiple, you know, it feels like times a week. Um, yeah. Teams don't guard him from three. Uh, like turns the ball over a lot. He's great on defense, like truly unbelievable on defense. And that's why he ends up in this conversation uh, and why for me, I have him still at like seven, but yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. little bit hard there. Um, I did you, guess. Did you, con- did you consider lively at three at all? Yes, but I think it's clearly lively at, for now i think lively's yeah. been like critical for keeping their defense afloat in any way shape mm-hmm. or form um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I would clearly have lively at four at the moment okay. um yeah. so yeah it'd be chet vick hawk as lively brandon miller for me first team you would have case in for brandon miller on the first team yes i would have uh case in asar Bilal Koulibaly, Keontae George, and probably one of Sasha Vizankov or Jordan Hawkins. I'd have to look more into that to like decide which mm-hmm. one makes more sense to me. Uh, Pajemski, I guess, would probably be in the mix. Honestly, like in point, like I think Scoot's going to get into the mix. If you look at his last, you know, little stretch here of five games, it's been better. And I think he's mm-hmm. been pretty good defensively this season too even though like mm-hmm. it's been aggressive, but you can't have him here right now by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, guys like Keontae George and, you know, even like Pajemski, I think has been better than Scoot so far. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I- I'd have to think about Hawkins versus Vizenkov at this point. Sasha has been quite good. He's older, but like you kind of have to consider him, I think for an honor, at least um, mm-hmm. second team. Do you have any thoughts? This class has been weird, is my thought. Yeah. There's just a lot of guys that aren't getting a lot of opportunities that you would have thought. Um, and some of that is like the Pacers are just good and they can't play Jairus Walker. You know, they don't have they don't have the time to 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 give him to develop. Um I'd like to see a lot Taylor more Taylor Hendricks, Hendricks as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Black, I think, has like a case as well for what it's worth. Uh starting for the you know what eight fifth best team in the league, something like yeah. that right now. Uh, yeah. Look what, when he's out there, I feel like he's not doing a crazy amount on offense to be honest with you, but he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he has been very impactful on defense, at least and moves the ball. Thomas Carnero mm-hmm. brings up, you know, Tamani Kamara has been fun. Uh, I agree. He's been really great on defense. You know, if this is an all rookie yeah. defense team, he'd probably be, Honestly, he'd probably be number two or three behind Chet and Vic. Um, yeah, he, he's been great. Uh, you know, maybe a SAR as well. He'd be first team All Defense rookie, but the offense I think is a real, um, real drag for him. Yeah, Sasser. I'm just like trying to think of guys that play. You know, like that's yeah, that's Sasser's kind of like been the, fun. 
Yep. That's just kind of hard. That's a, the the hard thing is like there's so many guys that were picked in the first round that just don't even play. Right. And that's normal. Rookies are bad in the NBA typically. So uh, yeah. this is why we don't melt down about rookie seasons uh, for yeah. guys. Walker Kessler yeah. is a prime example. Kessler has been much better over the course of the last little while, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't think anybody would take him third in the 2022 draft. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Coach of the year. I went with Chris Finch at one uh, from the Minnesota yeah. Timberwolves. The reason for that is pretty simple. Uh, a, they have the best team in the league right now, 16 and four mm-hmm. B that's a complicated roster to try and make work. Carl Towns yeah. and Rudy Gobert trying to make that fit work together. Uh, you know, they've dealt with, you know, Jaden McDaniels being out of the lineup here, trying to figure out like the hierarchy of that team as well with Anthony Edwards, you know, leaping into stardom now. You know, that could be a problem with guys like Carl Towns and Rudy Gobert. It hasn't been to this mm-hmm. point, right? Um, they've been relatively healthy outside of McDaniels to this point. But yeah, I, I love everything I've seen from Chris Finch. I think he's a creative offensive mind that has really found a way to, you know, make the defense truly elite. Yeah. I will echo that. Uh, second, I have a Carlisle for yep. things that we mentioned earlier where he's just like pushing all the right buttons and this team is just clicking. And you, when you watch them, you think, Oh my gosh, like the Pacers are getting everything out of this roster that they could right now. Yep. And like that to, that to me is like what a good coach does. So like Rick Carlisle. Second, um, I would have Ime Yudoka third just because like trying to pull that group out of the mud that they were in is not an easy task. And yeah. he appears to be the right person to have done that. And so yeah, I have him third. And then like obviously like Mark Dagnalt's done a great job. Nick, Nick Nurse, who we talked about earlier, has been great. Jamal Mosley like deserves a mention and like yeah. is first on a lot of people's ballots for good reason. Um, it's a tough award to give, but that's just kind of where my head's at. Yeah, I had Jamal Mosley at two behind Finch. Uh, I think that what he's done to craft that defense has been unbelievable. And like, this is a team that has been hurt. Like Markel Fultz went out, like their starting point guard went out five games into the season. Uh, Their starting center, Wendell Carter went out five games into the season and they're sitting here Mm -hmm. at 14 and seven and (laughs) have really been great. Uh, I had Rick Carlisle at three. I had Nick nurse at four. I had Ime Yudoka at five. I think Yudoka has Mm -hmm. been phenomenal. Uh, like you said, so, uh, basically the same top five, most improved player. Uh, I have Halliburton one maxi two. Uh, I think that that is very fair. I have, um, Alpern Shangun at one and Tyrese maxi at two. So, my thing about Alpi is I don't know how much better he's actually gotten as opposed to just like them using him better and just <laughs> leaning into him being great. You know that what is, I mean? That's It's a very fair take. Um, yeah. But year over year, it still looks like improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's totally fine and i think he's gotten way better on defense like he is not like a sieve he had like he's not he's not a top three he's defense good with him out there 
is huge yeah. because he was a sieve on defense last year, regardless of what Houston fans will tell you. He was really yeah. bad on defense last year. No question. Um, he is no not question. bad on defense anymore. He's mm-hmm. actually fine. Um, mm-hmm. I have a fun third name that okay. you literally can't find on any betting site for most improved player right now. Ooh, I'm very intrigued to hear this. Doesn't even have odds up. I have Duncan Robinson at number three. I have not seen a player other than Duncan go from where he was last season, which was out of the rotation a lot of the time for the Miami Heat. Yeah. Couldn't play. Mm -hmm. Like, struggled to get on the court for whatever reason. They did not feel comfortable playing him all that often. Uh, Yeah. Have you watched much of him yet? Uh, the, the jarring, yes. And the jarring thing, one, I hate watching the heat. So like, this is saying a lot right here. Um, but the jarring thing about him to me, it's like, he, he takes twos now. Like, who is this? Like, there's yes. like, it's very weird. Yeah. No, he is like sizing up dudes in ball screens now and just being like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Like I can just get by this big, like they're going to try and switch me just to try and stop the three point shot. Okay, I can just get by this guy now. I'm just going to try and drive to the rim and score. Uh, Duncan Robinson is averaging 15 points, three assists, shooting 49% from the field, 44% from three, 84% from the line. If you look at it from when the game after they put him in the starting lineup, so they put him in the starting lineup on November 11th. If you look from Mm -hmm. November 12th onward, he's played 10 games. In those 10 games, he's averaging 18 points on 53-53-87. And it's That's like insane. he is out there balling, man. Like he's been, he has been extremely good, crushing. extremely good. Yeah, I mean he he's part he of is, a lot. like they they don't miss Max Struess at all because like no, he's been frankly better than Struess was last year. Like they will use Duncan. They used to run like all those like dribble handoffs and stuff with him and Bam, right? They're using uh-huh. Duncan now in just like ball screens, and they're like. All right, pick and roll, pick and pop. Like, okay, well, you're going to switch this action. All right, I'm just going to go get to my little floater on the right side of the court with my right hand. I'm good with that. Like, yeah, it's probably the most fun story in the NBA for me this season is Duncan Robinson emerging from the ashes and now being like a really good player again. Like, he is truly really good good now and i don't know if it'll last like who knows right i think it will like the skill improvement that we have seen from him as a ball handler is real like Mm -hmm. he is better at it now so yeah you throw that in with elite level shooting that we know that he always has i don't know man i think it's yeah worth recognizing has anybody gone from like horrifically bad contract can't believe they gave this to him what's going on to like man this is a bargain for yeah now. because like that has happened like overnight it feels like him at 18 million is like probably about right now like yeah you know, it's great yeah it's like a good deal okay yeah. we're good like we're getting real value out of this <laughs> it is a awesome story it is a very bizarre and awesome story you probably could not have given him away last year True. No, no, no. He he was somebody that I was like, you know what? What if like the Thunder just like decided to 
call the heat and say, Hey, will you amend this draft pick? And just, all you have to do is just send us Duncan Robinson. Yeah, it's fine. You know? Like we'll take it. Like, like they did with this Davis Bertans. Yeah. Yes. Like a very similar, like Davis Bertans type of deal, but with Duncan Robinson and you know, Duncan Robinson's clearly a, a better player than Bertans. So no offense to Bertans, but Duncan's good, man. It's been unbelievable to watch that. I'm glad that we could close on that positive note. Andrew, have fun in Vegas. Tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on. Yeah, uh, I would direct you to the Athletic NBA Show YouTube page first. We are, me and my my guy Sam in, uh, shot a ton of videos, and a bunch of those are going to be going up on the Athletic NBA Show YouTube page. Uh, I talked to a Pacers fan from Hawaii yesterday and that like just absolutely blew my mind. Um, so go check that out. Uh, you can listen to down to dunk. If you want thunder content, uh, specifically subscribe to our YouTube page there as well. Uh, doing lots of fun stuff on our YouTube page all the time. So go check that out. Um, athletic NBA show podcasts, um, down to dunk, um, OKC dream team. If you're just like some, thunder sicko and you don't you need something else to listen to you can go to patreon.com slash okc dream team um yeah that's what i'm doing go follow all of andrew's work he is the best in the business one of my favorite people working in all of content creation across the globe go to the athletic keep me employed over there uh i will have i think trade deadline big board at some point i might do like a q a at some point based off of my big board uh, that I released last week at The Athletic. You can go subscribe and look at that at some point. Uh, go to the YouTube channel, Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini. Go subscribe there. Go subscribe to whatever podcast feed that you listen to the show on. Uh, I'll be back probably... I'll be back either Sunday night or Monday. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet what Bryce's schedule looks like, but we will figure it out then. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.